Away we go. Oh my god, he's back. And we're back. (laughs) Welcome back to another episode of From the Fourth Line. My name's Emma and I'm joined as always by my very lovely and very happy co-host, Marcy. Hello. What a morning we've had. Um, I was like, honestly, I was like looking through what we were going to talk about this this episode. And it was all very, very short. Um, What I had written down. And then we had kind of a, not kind of a blockbuster trade i don't know if it were it categorizes as blockbuster for leafs fans go down and around like made official official at like 9 30 last night and then we got news this morning that joseph wool is starting tonight for the toronto maple Leafs versus the arizona coyotes so i'm wearing my uh joseph wool jersey in celebration I'm wearing mine in spirit because it's on the wall and I have to rush off as soon as we finish recording. <laughs> Literally, like, that's the thing. It's like we are crunch time um, to try and get this done and out. But uh, I guess we'll talk. I don't know if we wanted to start with Joseph Wool or if we want to start with Leafs and Golden Knights, uh, because it kind of all relates to each other. We found out that Timothy Lilgren is not playing in tonight's game, meaning the Leafs for the second game in a row will do six left-handed D. But don't no don't fret. Riley and Brody are switching sides. Oh, panic over. Everything's panic fine. Um, yeah. So, if if the Leafs' desire for right-handed defensemen is not already apparent, I think it is b- very apparent in these two games in which Timothy Lilligren, essentially, we have learned, is keeping the entire Toronto Maple Leafs blue line together with the fact that he is right-handed and he shoots right. Um, but yeah, Leafs versus Golden Knights. Sam Stoff got the start. I want to say it's not his best game since coming back. Probably, mm-hmm. honestly, it was his worst game since coming back, which is saying something because mm-hmm. it wasn't very much a bad game. He only yeah. allowed five goals. There was six goals scored, but one of them was on an empty net. Um, and, like, the defense just wasn't there for the Leafs. No. It non-existent. Um, yeah. With Lilligren out, he's battling something day-to-day. Um, Sheldon Keefe today said that it was, like, he's not where we want him to be, and he's not where he wants to be, so he's not playing today. So, thanks, Sheldon. But uh, pairings were... Riley Brody, Benoit McCabe, Giordano, and Lajeson, because Mark Giordano returns to the lineup. Um, scoreless in the first, I think it was honest. It was a very even first period, I will say. Yeah. Shots were even tied 9-9. Um, but like, I, don't I, know, I just think... This. I was like, oh, it could go either way, you know? Like, yeah. and, then, and then the second period started. <laughs> Oh God! Um, was... Yeah, like the Golden Knights this season have been known for their strength defensively. They have they're a very mm-hmm. strong team defensively, and even though they are just on average a very strong team overall, they are missing a lot of people from their forward forward group. You couldn't really tell this game, that's for sure. Um, uh, yeah, the because like. Sp- Especially because the only two Toronto goal scorers were Tyler Bertuzzi and Ryan Reeves. Oh, that's how you know we're in a bit of a tough spot. Ryan Reeves on a two-on-one with Pontus Holmberg, in which, because then they showed it, 
his tops, Ryan Reeves top speed he hit on that two on one in which he scored a goal was over. It was 33.25 kilometers an hour. What is this? <laughs> just what's happening? What? what? <laughs> 33 go what how was ryan reeves hitting 33 kilometers an hour if you genuinely at the start of the season if you sat me down and told me that this was something that was going to happen you could have told me this a month ago and i wouldn't have believed you i would have i would have laughed no it doesn't um yeah, you definitely need to find uh, a right-handed D for Morgan Riley, someone competent. Um, Please. You know, hopefully, like, obviously the defense is better with Lilliger in there, and hopefully he comes back soon, because the Leafs have a tough schedule ahead for the first week of March. Uh, they play New York on Saturday at home. Mind you, I'm trying to pull up my schedule. Hold on. I got to switch this over anyways today, but... New York on um, Saturday, and then they've got Boston on Monday. Buffalo, Boston, back-to-back Wednesday, Thursday. Now, that's a back-to-back with travel. Then Montreal on Saturday after the trade deadline. And then they get four days off before having to be in Philadelphia. So... (laughs) Um, oh, you see, tell them what I'm also, looking for this. Also, as well, I think we should also mention that um, Tuesday's game, I forgot what day of the week it was for a second. Tuesday's game was the Leafs' pride night. The only, like, criticism I have is that, like, I didn't, like, I don't think anyone really knew it was pride night until no. the Leafs changed their Twitter icon, like, two days before, a day before. Yeah, Monday. No, they changed it Monday. I think I'd gone on to. I think I was it... just searching through their account for something Joseph Wall related, as you, <laughs> as, as one does. No, because it was they dropped the Joseph Wall blue room and then they changed the Twitter profile picture. But the Twitter profile picture had been changed before. Really? Because I was on the account before they dropped the blue room, and I was sat there and I was like. Oh, when did I was like, when did they change this? And then I was like, has it been changed for what? When did this happen? And then I think I was gonna mention it, and then I got distracted by something as usual. Yeah, but it was the Leafs Pride Night, and the Leafs. Um, no, neither of us were at the game, so obviously we can't give you an experience of what it's like to attend a Pride Night because obviously, like, no more special jerseys. Leafs were never one to do special pride jerseys. I don't think they've ever done it. They've done it for a couple of other things, but usually for Pride Night, they do helmet decals. Mm. We didn't have those, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but there was numerous players who did have mm. tape on their stick for warm-ups, and then Mark Giordano and Mitch Marner kept theirs on during the game as well. They had pride tape on their sticks. Um, if you did a little Getty Images research, <laughs> um, but I will like I will say like you know it, it is nice to see that support from players. You know, and when you can't 
like you can be overly critical if you would like to, but which some people always are when it comes to these sorts of things with players. And like, yes, we do have to keep players accountable for special nights like this. Mm. But also at the same time, you have to understand that like they're not perfect human beings. And also at the same time, you have to understand that like I'm not trying to make excuses for players, but yeah. Also as well, like cry tape during warm-ups is a huge step that we've seen that we probably wouldn't mm-hmm. have seen even like five years ago from players in the NHL. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So little victory, like yes, there's huge yeah. steps that have to be taken, but also you have to look at how far we have come mm-hmm. in the past 10, 15 years when it comes to pride representation, gay representation in the NHL. Oh, as yeah. a league. It's like yes, it's like obviously you want to see the entire team using fry tip and it's like I know there were some players who didn't and then Austin Matthews I think it was one of the big notable names that people kept bringing up and it's like yes is it a shame to not see him using fry tip yeah it is but at the same time it's like you know that he's not a raging homophobe because he very much has done he's done so much outside yeah. of using pride tip that it's like would it have been nice? Yeah. Is it the end of the world? No. And it's like you can be like personally disappointed about it. Which, you know, I, I was a little bit upset. I was not upset, yeah. but I was just like, oh like yeah, you're a nice. little bit disappointed. But it's like, you also have to look at the bigger picture and it's like, yeah, they, they a lot of players do stuff outside of just the Pride Night. It, oh, yeah, like... It's not the be-all, end-all of, like, if you don't use Pride Tip, you hit gay people. Yeah, which I think a lot of people were taking it that way, where it's like, you also have to understand that these are these are guys in which they've probably grown up in space. Like, you and me, we have a lot of friends, inclu- well, ourselves included, but like, yeah. you know, like, even growing up, like, my high, my friend group in high school was predominantly queer individuals. Mm. And so we grow up, like, surrounded through that and so it's very very easy to show support that Mm -hmm. way um whereas like for them you know you grow up in a hockey locker room it's It's very very different environment no it's not but also at the same time like you're not someone your your friend group probably like you know what I mean like they're probably guys who like I don't want to say like also you have to think about like a lot of these guys are slightly older than us and even like the culture in like schools and stuff has is mm. that change is very very recent that's also still sometimes in some places change that has not occurred yet yeah. whereas like it was very like I went to a really great high like when I was in high school it was really really great in terms of there wasn't that very I don't want to say non like homophobia was non-existent because this is like a high school in yeah. a predominantly white neighborhood in Canada like let's be realistic here but it wasn't there it wasn't like 
openly homophobic and you had a lot of support from like staff school administrators mm-hmm. and things like that yeah but I, like these are guys who probably like even when they were in high school like maybe there was like the gay kid at school but they maybe weren't friends with them and so like you have to understand that it's a very different thing and you can expect it yes mm-hmm. and you can be disappointed when you don't get it from them but you also have to understand like I'm not trying to make excuses, but I sound like I am, but it's, it's such a nuanced conversation to have that I feel like we can't like chalk it down to like five minutes in like a 20 minute segment about one Leafs game. I think an 82 game season. Yeah. It's kind of, it's just like you have to realize that they did, they unlike us, I don't know if we, for us is like they didn't grow up with a predominantly gay friend group surrounded by even more gay people yeah so it's like it it's not that they're not supportive it's just that they aren't exposed to it and so the exposure is different the same way that we are and it's like yeah like obviously you're gonna want to see like if you're if you have like a a gay friend group you're gonna just see it more and it's gonna be like and then so if someone says or does something that you know is slightly misguided or like badly worded if you've got a group a friend group of gay people and you witness that then it's gonna seem like a bigger like more outright like thing whereas a lot of people just aren't educated does that make sense the like also as well like the ally the like allyship when it comes to that like comes very naturally Mm -hmm. for us yeah I mean we we are pretty good ourselves so it's like we're such good allies literally but like the the allyship like you know before you know, before you figure things out as well, like the allyship comes so much easier because it's like, oh, these are my friends, right? Or like, Mm -hmm. these are my family members in like for me as well. Like, it's like I have family members who are part of the LGBTQ community as well, like close Mm -hmm. immediate family members. So like, it's, I don't want to say like, it's, it's hard, but it's, it's just, it's, we it's hard for us to understand and it's hard for I think a lot of people on Twitter to understand um specifically just within like the the bubble on hockey Twitter that we exist in because it's just predominantly very it's a very progressive group of people that we regularly interact with online (laughs) which is really really great but also as well like you have to understand like it's very different than how they maybe grew up and they experienced and so allyship you know it's it's different for them and you know what hopefully and that's why like it's really really important for teams like the Leafs to continue to provide education to their players um I know they had oh my god I don't remember his first name and now I'm looking it up because I want to make sure I get his name right Uh, McGillis is the last name um I want to say his first name is Scott but it's definitely not Scott I don't think it's Scott um, I just want to make sure I get this right. Hold on. I got to scroll through this. Uh, Brock McGillis. Uh, Brock McGillis, who is um, 
an op- he was a former OHL goaltender. I think I I want to I want to get this right, but I didn't do enough research beforehand. Uh, I don't I think first openly gay OHL player, but he was an OHL goaltender. Mm-hmm. Um, and he now goes around to di- I think he's currently on uh, like a classroom tour where he goes around to different uh, schools across Canada and maybe the U.S. as well. But I think mostly across Canada and talks to them about, you know, LGBTQ and be gay and, yeah. in hockey and things like that. And so they had him come in and talk to the players and. Least post about that. And I think that's probably like, I know it's not very visible as a fan. Like, if the Leafs never, if the Leafs didn't post that video, we would never know that they did that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think part, like, that is partly more important than the tape a player puts on. Yes, like the visible, like, it's really nice to see the visibility of like that visible allyship, but like providing education to your players from an organization like the Toronto Maple Leafs is huge. Yeah, and just like the fact that they're doing it like anywhere and they're doing it like behind the scenes sort of thing. Yeah. Is arguably I don't want to say it's more it's overall it has a bigger impact on the team than the decision to wear fright it. Oh abs- absolutely like I don't want to provide excuses by saying, oh, players are so superstitious and like they're all so equipment. Like, you know what I mean? Like athletes are weird yeah. like that when it comes to their equipment mm-hmm. and things like that. But like providing the education for your players is going to have a greater impact in the overall change of ho- to hockey culture that is yeah. slowly happening right now. Then I think not to say that pride tape isn't. And impacting the sport it is in a brilliant way and it's something where it's like I wish I actually owned a hockey stick myself yeah. that was the right direction so that I could put prime tape on my hockey stick consider I keep like looking I'm like maybe I'll just buy roll and just like put it on everything <laughs> <laughs> like I'll just like have it like everywhere but um it's like that sort of thing where it's like the education is so important and I think it's hats off to the Leafs as an organization organization to continue to provide education not just for pride but like every special night that they do you always see them providing education to their players and I think that's just huge Mm -hmm. and really showcases them as an organization that like cares yeah like I think as well the fact that they actually bring in like queer athletes for it instead of just they just stand there and just go yeah guys gay people exist gay people yeah too like instead it's of like, it having be having it be like some media relations which no offense to least media relations team i think they do a brilliant job but mm-hmm. like it's someone who is has been in their position in terms of been a hockey player but then also has been in other positions what are you gasping about media just <laughs> Uh, but has also been in their position but has not been in their position of been like has provided can provide a different perspective uh no Joseph Wool no (laughs) it's Domi and Austin Matthews and Keith (laughs) (laughs) I know that's what you were looking for uh but like in terms of can provide an athlete uh can bring in someone who's been in their position in terms of been a hockey player like is a hockey player and understands what it's like to be in a hockey like a in a in a locker room but then also provide a different perspective that maybe these players have not experienced because 
they've they're not gay. Yeah. And it's like you can argue that it's disappointing to not see them use Pride Tip, but they the amount of things that not only the players but the Leafs as an organization do is huge. Yeah, it's it's it's, yeah. it's disappointing to see well to not see, but it's not. I'm not like devastated. It's not world ending. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like some people treat it as like world ending, specifically surrounding Austin Matthews. Like I get it. Okay, he's like the biggest name on the Leafs, biggest like you know goal scorer in the NHL right now. Um, is his name is everywhere. His face is everywhere. But also, like, the support I think that he provides behind the scenes is huge. And, like, you don't... And I think that's this new age of... It's the impact of this new age of social media in terms of activism. And I don't want to open another discourse that we really don't have time for. Like, this is... Like, we could do, like, a... You could do a whole panel on this sort of thing and, like, spend, like, two hours discussing it and everything and the nuances. Because it's a very nuanced conversation. But I do want to say, like, everyone expects like especially from public figure like your al- like your support and your allyship for a cause to be very very vi- visible which sometimes isn't everyone's like cup of tea yeah. i know for myself like i'm not a huge person in like like when i support a cause like posting it everywhere cuz i'm like i don't i don't know it's i like, just I'm, I'm just doing it i'm doing it because i care and i'm a good person but i don't almost want to like be be like, oh yay, congratulations, you're a good person, like good for you. I'm like, I don't want that. Look at I me, I did something good. Yeah, like Yeah, like that's what I'm like. I'm like, I I don't want to be that person of like, oh, look at me, guys, like I did a good thing, like praise me for this thing. And like that's where you get into the whole discourse around it, like performative activism and things like that. And I'm like, we don't have time. <laughs> this no. is a very nuanced conversation. Oh, I think I worms for another day. Can of words, we have a lot to get, well, more to get through than I would have thought for this show. But continuing on with the Leafs, the Leafs tonight take on Arizona Coyotes for the second time this season and also, like, the second time in, like, two weeks. Um, uh, who are coming, or not coming off of, but are on a 13-game losing streak after losing to Montreal on Monday. Um, they could extend it against the Leafs, uh, could surpass the San Jose Sharks. Um, t- there will be no Timothy Lilligren in the lineup again. Him and Connor Timmins, uh, who I believe at some point will just garner the nickname Mono, considering every single tweet <laughs> about Connor Timmins mentions the fact that he has Mono. Mm. Um, we're He's on the like, we're uh, we're on the ice pre-Leafs morning skate, but neither of them participated in the actual morning skate practice. Uh, Leaves haven't also, um, you know, just just some a fun little fun little stat uh, about the fact that this could go very very badly. The Leaves haven't won at home versus the Arizona Coyotes since October seventeenth, two thousand and two. We weren't even alive. Oh no! Can they not do this today? Can they please please? But like. In good news, Joseph Wool is the projected starter. He makes Yay. his first start since getting hurt December 7th. I was at that game. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<gasps> professional. That also is, is also if you want to put that in number of days, first start in 85 days. Worst 85 days of my life. Um, <laughs> you fucking tell me about it. Um, also, as well, if you guys want a couple of good reads and you have a, a, member, a subscription to The Athletic, there was a lovely Fraser Mitten article that oh, followed so him cool. on the road with the Saskatoon plates for three days, in which we learned some lovely tidbits about oh, the Leafs <laughs> and their room <laughs> dinner. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still laughing about this. I literally, I was like, oh my god. So apparently at the, Le- um, the Leafs uh, rookie dinner that they had in Nashville, which was, I think, the infamous photo of uh, Mitten and Nyes in this wonderful cowboy getup standing next to John Tavares um, that Fraser Mitten posted on Instagram. And then we found out, oh, that was from their rookie dinner and they did it because they wanted to dress up, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Also at this, also at this rookie dinner that they did, hold on, I want to like, pull it up um i gotta pull it up first it's no that's not what i want um a skit was arranged uh with fraser mitten matthew nice joseph wool and pontus holmberg in which pontus holmberg acted as a media member with a microphone in hand while the other three rookies split up the roster and performed impersonations slash roast mitten says of every single leaf Mitten remembers Nyes' perfect impersonation of Tavares' monotone mannerisms in post-game interviews. Oh, I just liked it. Oh. We, I just know it was, like, genuinely spot on. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm sure, like, once you live with the guy for long enough, you just, it's one of those things where you can pull it out. Like, also, the voice in your head starts sounding like him. <laughs> Matthew? You have to go on bed on go to bed on time if you want to be a high performance athlete like myself. Remember to eat your greens, Matthew. Matthew, kale is important. Matthew, <laughs> organic is the way to go when it comes to the food that we put into our bodies if we want to contain our high performance on the ice. <laughs> Matthew, <laughs> he has nightmares with just the John Tavares voice. <laughs> Matthew, are you sure you want to have that extra scoop of ice cream? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Anyways, um, it was a really brilliant article. It, it very much summed down uh, Fraser Bitten's, like, whole mindset right now is, I want to be like them while pointing at the Toronto Maple Leafs and modeling his entire life around hockey around being like an NHL player it's it's the most brilliant thing um I really do hope that he gets to have a shot with the Leafs next season and that we don't lose him Mm. at the deadline what Emma (laughs) look okay don't blame me blame the Chris Tanev trade yeah but like why why would you say that to me right now Hmm? um I also would like to, I would like further details, video if available of that, um, of those performances. I would like to know which players Joseph Wool was given. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> who did, who was, who, who, Joseph Wool, who has been, with, like, who was with the team bubble? too like that's the thing where i'm like jo- yes oh yes it was the rookie dinner and yes like joseph wool was involved joseph wool has been with like up up and down with the leafs like since like 2020 
Like mm-hmm. he was one of their backup bubble goalies. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just I'm like obsessed with this whole thing. I want it's to know so more. Uh, I also know that noted uh, bottom line Blorvo and uh, theater minor in college, Bobby McMahon was very upset he missed out on such a thing. I feel like he would have brought the acting chops. Well, he. Can we th- can we get him on the podcast and just <laughs> um but yeah there was also uh as well um by Joshua Cloak both of these articles that I'm mentioning from the athletic were by Joshua Cloak who does a fantastic job um with providing these sorts of articles uh on the Toronto Maple Leafs um is there was a wonderful one about Ilya Samsonov that also came out today, a little bit under the mm-hmm. radar because this Minton article had so many gems, but it was mostly just about his mindset in returning from being put on waivers and having a really bad start to a season. It was really great, provided some insight into where his mindset was at at the first season, also made me cry. He, oh. it was very, very, very sweet. Recommend go listening to them, uh, not listening, reading them. If you can, uh, if you have a, a subscription to the Athletic, um, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just so excited about Joseph Bull coming back, man. I it's a big day. It. It's a big day for us uh, I... as the co-presidents of Bull Nation. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't feel real. No, it very much doesn't. It's it's like one of those things where it's like oh. It's like actually happening now. It's like we've been we've been like just asking for it to happen for so long, and then now it actually is, and we're like, oh my god, oh my god, yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> just just ah. well, he's back, he's back. Uh, very exciting to have him back. Uh, definitely feel sorry for my dad who's driving me home today, who's going to have to sit in a car with me from Ottawa to Toronto with me talking about the fact that Joseph Bull is back. He has been asking, actually, you know what? It's his own doing because he spent all Christmas break this year asking me about what the Leafs were going to do with their goaltending. Well, Dad, I have an answer for you. It's called yes, keep sir. three goalies up because Sheldon Keefe said <laughs> in media availability today that he will, he is willing that, you know what? He's willing to, the plan is right now to carry all three Leafs goalies, which I love that. The more the merrier. What I do want to know, though, and I want to figure out, and this is only because I have mapped out the Leafs' uh, seating plan in the locker room, is if Joseph Wool moves back to the like one of the main goalie cubbies. There's three goalie cubbies in the Leafs' locker room, in their home locker room. After Joseph Wool got hurt before the dad's trip, Martin Jones moved into his main one beside Ilya Samsonov. Because there's two beside each other and then one on the side. Uh, and then Joseph Wool has been in the third goalie stall since being hurt. And like when he's coming back to practices and things like that. So I want to know if they're going to switch him back or not. Or what's mm. going to be the plan. Or if he's going to stay there sitting next to Max Domi, I believe, sits in there. Yeah. Um, I don't have it memorized. But I think it's like Max sits next to Max Domi. Which would love to know what those conversations are like. Oh. There's like oh. certain stretches in this locker room where I'm like, would love to know what this this part. What do of, they talk about? What do they talk about? Um, like, but 
Yeah. Anyways. Um, I think, do we talk about, let's talk about Jamie Drysdale. We mentioned, we mentioned last episode that he is day to day is what we said. Yeah. Um, I think it, it was announced today that he, uh, Philadelphia has moved Jamie Drysdale to IR due to an upper body injury. They didn't specify that it was his shoulder. They just said upper body. But we can assume based on the, the video that we saw mm. of him going down the tunnel. Unfortunate for this guy. I think this guy, like, w- some of the worst injury luck in the league. Oh, he's been through it. Absolutely. Um, so hopefully wish him all the best. Hopefully he's back um, for the Flyers playoff run. I actually have no idea if they're still at a playoff spot. I think they are. Right? Maybe they're um, not, and I'm, like, totally what? wrong. Um, no. What? Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, they Yeah, they are still. They're third in the Metro, so hopefully he's back. You know, we don't know. There's no timeline yet given. Uh, Travis Konechny also, day-to-day, has not played for... Uh, the Flyers in three games or three days or something like that. So injuries hitting the Flyers hard, which is unfortunate what? for them. They're going through it right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, trade? We'll talk trade. We'll talk trade, just mostly because I think this one is going to be the longest one for us to talk about. And then we have some Jets chat with the Gary Bettman press conference and then a very special anniversary. Um um, so it was announced yesterday that the Calgary Flames have traded pending UFA right-handed defenseman Chris Tanev to the Dallas Stars in a three-way trade with the New Jersey Devils. It's three-way trade because of the salary retention, um, which is very interesting. Um, I just want to pull up because like the salary retention is interesting. Because of um, the fact that the New Jersey Devils are retaining salary and they're supposed to be a team that wants to contend for the playoffs this year. And I don't know why, Mm. if you are a team that wants to contend to the playoffs, you're you're, uh, retaining over a million dollars in salary. Um, But so the trade is, so the Calgary Flames acquire... Uh, Dallas Stars prospect Artem uh, Grushnikov, um, a second uh, 2024 second round pick from Dallas, a conditional 2026 third round pick from Dallas, where the conditions are the pick is only transferred if Dallas advances to the Stanley Cup final in the 2024 playoffs. The Dallas Stars acquired from the New Jersey Devils, Christopher Tanev, with... 50% salary retained, which is $1.25 million. Uh, and Cole Brady, who is an unsigned uh, goaltending prospect from New Jersey. Now, the New Jersey Devils acquire 50% of um, Christopher Tanev's salary. Um, with, uh, the, and then from Dallas, they receive four retaining the salary a 2026 fourth round pick. Um, now, the reason why it says a Dallas store, the Stars acquired from New Jersey is because in, you can't trade uh, salary retention for future considerations anymore. 
So Chris Tanev had to go through New Jersey in order to end up getting traded to Dallas in order for New Jersey mm-hmm. to retain some salary. That's the only reason why it's that. But essentially, Chris Tanev going to Dallas, hope he likes country music because if he thought he was going to get away from it, from being traded away from oh, Calgary, no. he's got more of it coming in Dallas. You have not yeed your last haw, Chris Tanev. Um, <laughs> You've been like, waiting to say that. Oh, I tweeted it out and it went, it didn't do that well. And I was like, this is hilarious. Oh, did I retweet I it? I thought it was, no. I don't think you did. But I, I also tweeted it after you had gone to bed. Because I tweeted it on the official, I tweeted it on the official announcement from the Dallas Stars, which came but after. I was very much I, asleep. Yeah, it went when you were asleep. Um, but I do, there's a, couple of things um yeah so it was like it was yeah so the stars so okay the stars get Christopher Tanner for 25% of his salary because Calgary Flames retain 50% and then the New Jersey Devils retained 50% of 50%, which is as of to 75% retained overall between the two teams, which is uh, ridiculous. And I'm wondering, because the, the thing that I wanted to talk about is like Chris, Chris Tanev has been linked with the Leafs since basically mm-hmm. November, since it became apparent we needed another yeah. right-handed D. And... We were all like, this is going to happen. This is what it's going to be. We're going to have to give up a first. Are we going to be willing to give up a first for Christopher mm-hmm. Tanner? Blah, 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 blah. And then it all happens without Dallas Stars giving up a first round pick. And you may well, but yes, they gave up a prospect. And yes, Brad Schilling was very, very, um, uh, was very, very adamant in saying that he was unwilling to give up a prospect. Mm. Um. Now, Artem Artem Grushnikov is a 20-year-old prospect, uh, Russian. Uh, he's from Russia. Is currently playing played with the um, is a yeah left-handed defenseman with the uh, playing with the Texas Stars uh, this season. He was with the AHL affiliate of uh, of uh, Dallas. In 44 games, has one goal, four assists. Um, I don't know about you, but like my thoughts on this, I'm like, okay, so the Leafs have defensive prospects, left-handed defensive prospects up the wazoo. We have so many of them. Mm. We almost have too many of them. We're overloaded on defensemen in terms of prospects. And you're telling me Bradshaw Living was unwilling to give away what did Dallas trade away? They gave away a prospect, a second round pick, which we don't have a second round pick. Mm. But the Leafs don't have a second round pick. Or at a third, a conditional third, and a fourth for Christian. Like, that's the thing where I'm like, surely you could have made this work. But then there was a tweet that was really interesting for me from Kevin Weeks, uh, noted insider Kevin Weeks. Uh, <laughs> 
regarding the uh, Tanev mm-hmm. trade and Sidorov trades, the saying. The Maple Leafs were interested in both players, as I reported. They tried trading for both at the same time and individually. It seems that the that the Calgary Flames would have had to be blown away to send either to Toronto. So the Calgary Flames are the salty X and were like, no, we are unwilling to trade with you, Brad. Which is very interesting because it's like everyone was talking about the fact that getting a player from the Flames would be easier for the Leafs because of Brad. And now you're telling me that, no, actually, it's near impossible to trade with the Flames because of Brad. And I know Brad is not a, like, trade-at-the-deadline type guy, but we really do need a right-handed defenseman for Morgan Riley. Quite, quite bad. If we want to make a run in the play. Like, it's not a thing where it's, like, I think a lot of people, I think earlier in the season, were like, okay, we got to do this at the deadline, we got to do this at the deadline, we got to do this. But really, like, the only thing the Leafs need... At the deadline, I think to make a serious, I don't want to say like serious push for the Cups, but like to make a long run in the playoffs, bar any blood curses against this franchise, is a right-handed defenseman to play across from Morgan Riley to provide, to be on that top line, that top Mm. pair. And you're not, and the numbers you have, like the names are, the name, the list is getting shorter and shorter as we get closer to the deadline. And yeah, we're running out of options, and it. There's still it more names available, way. but there's still more names available. But like, I don't know. I'm just looking at this, and I'm like, okay, are we actually going to get this right-handed mm-hmm. defense? Because it's like, there's the list of things that Brad Living is willing to give up. Is I don't want to say it's very long, but it consists of no first-round picks and no top-seeded prospects, such as. Like guys like who are already on the Leafs roster mm-hmm. right now, like Robertson and Nyes and Holmberg. Um, and also as well, um, top product, top prospects who are not with the Leafs right now, like Minton, Cohen, Easton Cowan. Um, a couple of, there's a couple of guys on the Marlies as well, like where you'd, Dennis yeah. Hildeby, where you're like, okay, no, untouchables, like, don't go near them and like you can kind of condense that list down to what five guys of okay here's two guys on three guys on six guys I guess here's three guys on the Leafs roster right now where they're young guys Mm -hmm. where you're like okay then there's these guys who are and then there's these what three guys who are not on the Leafs roster but are within the Leafs organization whether it be yeah. with the Marlies or whether it be with their junior teams where you're like okay don't touch them and I think a lot of people are like okay but why don't we trade guys like Mitten and Cowan when um their stock is really really high right now because they're having these really great seasons in junior uh because have you looked at what the Leafs cap situation is next year like has anybody who said who is suggesting hey let's trade Frazier Mitten mm-hmm. right now for a rental has anyone of these like looked at what the Leafs are looking at next year for cap because it's not good. Like, yes, okay, the cap is going up next season, but so are the contracts of Austin Matthews and William Nylander where you are paying, you're paying Austin Matthews 13.25. You're paying William Nylander 11.5. You're still paying John Tavares $11 million for one more year. You're paying Marner 10.9. Um, and you've got your lose it like Nicholas Robertson's an RFA, Noah Gregor's an RFA, Bobby McMahon's a UFA. Um, I'm sure 
I think Bobby McKin will probably sign close to in around league minimum. But mm. like um Timothy Lilligren, RFA. Simon Benoit is a guy who I think you should sign him before the offseason starts. Yes. Because that's a guy, like, yes, he's he's an RFA. So yes, you can retain the rights to him. Like it's not like he he's going to leave you in free agency without you deciding that. But I think now's the time to do it before the price for him gets too high. Yeah. Because that's a guy you want to, that's a guy obviously who you're like, oh, you actually work for us. Like you work here. And like, especially because we have Jake McCabe for one more season. Like, mm. I think the, like, I think the fact that we could get like a, a very solid starting goaltender out of Joseph Wool for one more season at less than $800,000 against the cap is huge. Absolutely insane. It's huge for this team, especially next year with how their cap situation is. And so like (laughs) all of these entry-level contracts that you have, like Cowan, like Minton, you need those guys Mm. next year because those are the guys who are going to fill in the slots that you can't afford otherwise. Yeah. And have you also considered, it's like you don't want to trade Fraser Minton because... It'll make me sad. (laughs) That's exactly. I'll be very sad. That's exactly what it is. And so, like, I don't know if we're going to, like, the other thing that you have to think about is, like, um, is Yulia Siepstov is a free agent next year. Is he going to stay? Who knows? It'd be nice for him to stay. But also at the same time, you have to be prepared for the fact that, like, he may not stay. And you may have to use Dennis Hill to be as your backup like that is held to be might have to be ready for nhl <clears throat> which i don't know i don't i don't want to say that he isn't but like also at the same time you don't know goalie development is so weird yeah. it's so up and down and you're like mm. we and haven't seen him in an nhl game yet it's goalie development it's yeah there's something we love on this show more than your fourth line players and bottom pair defensemen is um is goalie development exactly what are you draw what are you draw dropping at no i panicked because um i can't read and i thought what else and i thought that the tweet said that um the nhl had fired the servers is <laughs> fine for money. <laughs> I'm, you know what? I'm so surprised. We haven't heard anything about getting fined yet. <laughs> oh, no, it's, I'm just like, we didn't, even forgot, we didn't even talk about the fact that he got kicked out of Tuesday's game. <laughs> he got ejected. Like, this is something where I'm like, never mind. Like, this is further confirms the fact that I believe that. Uh, Sheldon Keefe and um, former Toronto Blue Jays general manager John Gibbons are very similar individuals, which m- means nothing to Marcy. But if you're a Jays fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but I just, I was like, he's getting thrown out. They're throwing him out. <laughs> he didn't do anything. He breathed. Like, he breathed and he's like, like you're gone. Cool. It's almost like they looked at him and went, you're not red enough for us at the moment. And, like, they're like, I you've not turned the right shade of purple yet. Get I also out. 
want to know, like, what did Don Granado do on Tuesday? What was his unprofessional? What did he do? I don't. I wasn't <laughs> watching that game. Yeah, I didn't watch the game, so I'm just kind of like, what went down? I feel like if anything actually happened, I'd have seen it on Twitter. I know, that's the thing where I'm like, if it was kind of a big thing, I guess you would see it more than I would. Yeah. But, hmm, interesting. Um, bench miner. It literally doesn't say. Oh, here we go. Oh. Is it from when, like, they all got in that scrum because, like, because uh, uh, Nick Cousins, um, like, pretended to be dad and was like, actually, I'm not. <laughs> oh, it's just him yelling. Oh. It's him yelling over a, something that didn't get called about a trip. I think he said something. Oh, did he flip the bird? What? No. Did he flip the bird? You'd be kind of real for that, though. I respect it. I think he flipped the bird. <laughs> I think he flipped... Oh, I, think he, I think he... I think he... I think he... I can't tell. I'm trying to, like, look and see if he, like, actually, like, flipped off officials. That's a... But that'd be... No, oh. he was pointing to. He was going to. Oh. It looked though from Dude. one angle of him going, of him going like this. <laughs> I think it's, it's just him yelling, and he got fined for it. But, um, but if I got fined for yeah. every time I yelled at the leaves, I would have like less money than I already do. You would have. You would be bankrupt. Um, I, I would be officially. But yeah, Sheldon Keith got thrown out. There was a. He did. He did answer a question about it. Um. Smart of him to not answer a question about it post game. Um, he mm. did answer a question though. Um, today in media availability, saying, "This is from Jonas Siegel. I think there's a fine line between being a voice of the, for the players at different times and try to be the voice so that they don't have to be. They can focus on playing. But really, all I'll say is my job as a coach is to really make sure I'm focused on the next moment and what comes next. I don't." Feel, feel like I lost control of anything like that the other night, but I'm not focused on the right thing. My job is to be focused on the right thing. The player's job is to be focused on the right thing. I'll be better in that area. It's a chance for me to reflect and grow on it. Again, I don't know what he did. Because it wasn't, it, yeah. he like was blowing up at the, at the refs and then it was the next play. And then that's what got him thrown out. And the next, like, I, oh, I was like, no, okay. There is. Keith's just been fined. Keith's been fined. That's it, Sheldon. Had they, like, donate the $25,000 fine to, like, flying me out (laughs) to you? Do I tweet out time to start a GoFundMe? (laughs) Yes. Please. Welcome to the behind the scenes of what happens when we decide. (laughs) This is what... (laughs) Um, this is what happens when we record things during the day. But yeah, Sheldon Keep has been fined for that. Honestly, not a surprise if uh, Don Granado got uh, fined for it. But I do want to say the fact that, like, Nick Cousins rising from the dead like the fucking Undertaker. No, because it's like... He's like, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm on the floor, I'm dying. Oh, no one's paying attention to me, everyone's coming. Okay, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> like, he has the same reaction. If that confirm, 
<laughs> he had the same reaction as like what happens when my alarm goes off on a morning and it's like really loud and right by my ear. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> there's nothing like there's nothing. I don't think there's anything that further confirms that this that this guy is an absolute diver than that clip mm. right there. If you go, oh, Nick Cousins isn't a di- doesn't dive and Nick Cousins isn't a, a, like a rat and like anyways, show them this clip and go, OK, so what's this, though? Um, yeah, come on. But yeah, so um, Gary Bettman had a press conference in Winnipeg. He did. <laughs> what a transition! Um, I know. I just know we're running out of time. So um, yeah, Gary I keep Bettman looking at a press conference. Yeah. Gary Bettman had a press conference uh, in Winnipeg. Uh, he, it was about. Uh, the concerned that the Winnipeg Jets could lose their front, the Winnipeg, Winnipeg, the city of Winnipeg could lose their fran- other NHL franchise due to low attendance. Uh, Gary Benton was like, I'm going to go out to Winnipeg and I'm going to hold a press conference, which bold on you, Gary, for going out to Winnipeg in February. Not something I would have done. Um, mm-hmm. I would have done it from like New York and done it over Zoom. Um, <laughs> spoke on the fact that Winnipeg is a strong NHL market. He also said that the team is not going anywhere. So no, have to don't have to worry about Winnipeg losing their team again. Uh, the concern for Winnipeg this season was the fact that ticket season ticket numbers have gone from thirteen thousand to where they were when the team joined rejoined the league in twenty twelve to nine ninety five hundred this season. They also averaged the second lowest attendance across the NHL at an average of thirteen thousand games. An a- sorry, thirteen. An average of thirteen thousand people per game. Um, but, but which is interesting because it's actually I think it's surprising as well. Like the team is performing very well this season. Mm. Um, in terms of that, like in playoff contention is pretty good. We'll probably make the playoffs. We'll maybe perhaps have a run in the playoffs depending on who they face. Um, yeah. so it's not that it's like worry about Winnipeg not. Uh, oh, like the low attendance because Winnipeg sucks. They don't suck. I don't think they really have had a season since they've come back where they've been like god awful. If I'm trying to like remember correctly, I'm like I don't. In recent memory, they haven't been god awful bottom of the barrel bad since like they got Patrick Laine in 2016. Yeah. Right. Which also the Leafs were god awful bottom of the barrel bad that season too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but like I will say, like I will say, I think part of it is like rising costs of living, especially in Canada. Like it's so expensive to buy groceries. You know, I go to the grocery store, I'm like, I'm gonna get two things, I end up spending 30 bucks. Um, I think that's part of it. I will say there was one quote that from Gary Batman in that press conference where I was like, What the f are you saying, dog? Where he said, Get over your anxiety and come to games. <laughs> Gary, <laughs> thanks, Gary Bettman. You've cured my anxiety with one sentence. I'm all better now. I'm all better now. Thanks, thanks, Gary. Anxiety cured. I'm no longer anxious. I will <laughs> go to games. I go to games anyways. But I, I, I think it's what like. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think part that's part of what it is. Uh, I don't want to say like, oh, it's the small, uh, it's the small population in in Winnipeg because uh, Ottawa has. A similar population size and 
A lot of fans go to that game, and their arena is all the way out in Canada, across the highway from an outlet mall. So, yeah. Um, I will see. I will see how it's interesting how Winnipeg's going to try and get more get more people to go to games. Who knows? Um, yeah. And one last thing before we end the podcast here. Yesterday was a very special anniversary that's very near and dear to my heart. It was the 14-year anniversary of Sidney Crosby's Golden Goal, in which in the 2010 Vancouver Winter Olympics, in the gold medal men's hockey match between Canada and the U.S., in overtime, Sidney Crosby, with an assist from Jerome McGinley, scored a beautiful goal on Ryan Miller to win Canada gold medal in men's hockey on home ice and I that day I was six years old at the time and that was the thing that cemented me as a hockey fan I I was always going to probably become a fan of hockey but that was what that was the moment where I was like yeah hockey (laughs) sport for me (laughs) this is the sport (laughs) I'm gonna watch and eventually you know 14 years later we'll host a podcast about (laughs) So thank you, Sydney Crosby, for starting this podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where it is. Sydney Crosby started. It also is the reason why I have a soft spot in my heart for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, that and my love for little fun, silly French Canadian goalies and Phil Kessel. Yeah, <laughs> that sums it all up. Sums it all up. I I think like I don't have I don't remember a lot from those Olympics, considering I was six. <laughs> But I have two main images in my head where, I, well, three, actually, three main images in my head where I'm like, yes, 2010 Winter Olympics. These are the things I remember watching on TV. Sydney Crosby's Golden Goal. Um, Tessa Virtue with Scott Moyer's um, gold medal free dance performance. And Canadian gold medal Olympian and host of uh, the Amazing Race Canada John Montgomery walking through Whistler Village after winning gold in the skeleton, chugging a pitcher of beer that was handed to him on live national television. An icon. That's oh, it. Icon. And you know what? They're the only three memories That's... you need. Exactly. Hey, hockey, ice skating, beer. Yep. <laughs> All you need in life. <laughs> Oh dear. Oh god. Um <laughs> Yeah, um hope I think I think that is all we will talk about today. Um a little bit of a shorter one for us. Um but you do what you got to do. Busy schedule. We will be back though on Monday after the Leafs take on Arizona and the New York Rangers. Um, which is great for my fantasy team because that's where both of my goalies are from. Mm. So, yeah. Hopefully, Jonathan Quick gets the streak against Toronto because <laughs> I want the Leafs to win, but also I want Igor Shesterkin to do well for me in fantasy. I want to roll in fantasy this week. Not this week, the past three weeks. I don't think I've lost at all in the month of February. Oh. Okay. I haven't. Whatever. I have. I'm doing 
I yeah, I have not lost in the month of February yet. It's actually. No, I won. I think I won first week in February. I lost last. I lost the week after. I won last week. And now oh, I won. I'm on. I won three straight. <laughs> well, you know what? In it kind of, it's kind of helpful when you have forty goal scorer Zach Hyman. Mm, yeah, whatever, whatever. Well, you know what? Fuck you. I've got Ryan McLeod, Noah Gregor, and Simon Benoit, and Justin Hall, and Bobby McMahon. How is, how is um four game in a row scratch Noah Gregor helping you out on fantasy? So well. <laughs> I'm getting because he's getting scratched tonight again too as well. I know. I'm gonna. You see, I go to drop him and then I look at his little face and I just can't bring myself to do it. Uh, with that being said, said well, you know what? Sheldon Keith, everyone asks Sheldon Keith, oh, how are you going to carry three goals? I'm carrying four. <laughs> Get on my level, Sheldon. <laughs> where, where are people asking how I'm coping? Well, well, the, the Leafs could end up carrying four come the playoffs if Matt Murray returns from LTIA. <laughs> Because he's facing pucks this week. <laughs> oh, with that oh, being said, God. thank you so much for listening. That was all from us today. Uh, we'll be back on Monday again with another podcast. Um, hopefully, talking about two Leafs wins. You never know. This is the Leafs. Um, but would love Joseph Wool to have a good game back and a good return. Hopefully, if they win, then belts for you, Joseph. Um, oh, I... <laughs> Oh, if they win. And Ryan wins, Reeves, you have... Some... No, who has it? Some... No, it's Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi has it. Bertuzzi, you have one job. Like, I genuinely, I do not care if we win by seven goals and one person scores all seven. If Joseph Falk does not get the belt, <laughs> they, I Austin will be Matthews having has enough hat tricks. Austin Matthews yeah, has like... enough hat tricks. <laughs> yeah, it's like... They're not special oh. anymore. What do you mean, like, fucking Nick Robertson scores nine goals in one night? He's not getting the belt. Joseph Hall gets the belt. End of. I, I don't care. <laughs> I wouldn't say that we don't make the rules here, but we do make the rules we here do. when it comes to Joseph Hall. We take our jobs very seriously to the point where we have a brand. And to everyone who, upon the news of Joseph Hall's return, was like, I wonder how Marcy and Emma are doing. We're doing very well, thank you. And thank you for thinking of us in this time. Because yeah, we have a three-minute phone we, call in which we just kind of like yell at each other. About Joseph Bull being back. And also the fact that you hung up on your mom to answer the call from me. Love you, Lindsay. I know I'm your favorite kid. You are as well. She loves you. Like, that's the thing. I'm like, I'm everyone in your family's favorite. Except for maybe your sister, but... No, you're probably her favorite as well. <laughs> yes. Only a matter of time before I get a dog. You come home for the summer and I'm already, like, living in your room. Yeah, you're just, like, I just, like, <laughs> go to my room to dump my bags and you start there, just, like. Hi, Marcy. <laughs> and I'm just sat there and I was like, you know what? Take it. I'll sleep outside. I've got a tent. 
Uh, all right. Uh, without that, uh, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, I think eventually we probably this weekend. I think uh, this is me telling Marcy to do this. Is we'll get uh, our backlog of podcasts up on YouTube. Um, I have to put them in the drive. So partly it's on partly it's on me, but also part of it is on um, uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at from the fourth line. That's fourth with a four T H. You can follow both me and Marcy on Twitter uh, at six leaves for Marcy at pair B one for myself. Thank you so much for listening. Go Leafs go. Hopefully Joseph Bull has a good first game back. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>